Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the new podcast series from the Committee on Contraception from FIGO. At FIGO, the International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetrics, our vision is that women of the world achieve the highest possible standards of physical, mental, reproductive, and sexual health and well-being throughout their lives. As we strive towards this vision, we're developing a digital platform to improve partner engagement and to expand collaborations, which will ensure we have the right support for success. We present our new podcast series from the Committee on Contraception to help FIGO member societies with modern and novel educational tools on key aspects of sexual reproductive health. We are pleased to be joined by the creators of Creogs Over Coffee, the number one resident education podcast in obstetrics and gynecology in the United States. With me today are Drs. Faye Kai and Nicholas Burns. Dr. Kai is a third-year maternal fetal medicine fellow at the University of Pennsylvania, and Dr. Burns is a third-year maternal fetal medicine fellow at the University of Washington. Well, thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Conry. So our first set of podcasts here are going to be geared towards the topic of adolescent contraception and will be divided into three episodes. Now, let's begin our first episode, and this will be hosted by none other than the president of FIGO, Dr. Dini Conry. So, Dr. Conry, let's start off with just kind of a basic but a big question. Um, we know that adolescent pregnancy is a global public health issue. Um, can you just speak to that and characterize that issue for us a bit? Yes, thank you, Dr. Kai and Dr. Burns, for being part of this. Um, and thanks for your question. Early and unintended pregnancies put at risk the health, the lives, and the well-being of young women and girls and their families. I will use women and girls, but understand that we're meeting this in a very inclusive fashion. Around the world, complications during pregnancy and childbirth are the leading cause of death for girls between the ages of 15 and 19. And the problem is deeper than what we think. Pregnant adolescents are more likely to have preterm or low birth weight infants, and higher rates of neonatal mortality. There's also a high risk of other pregnancy complications. That can include undernutrition, preeclampsia, and eclampsia. So preventing teenage births has long-term implications for the individual patient, for their families, and certainly the community as a whole. One other question we wanted to ask about Dr. Connery is about if contraception can prevent abortions. We know that access to contraception reduces the needs for abortion. It improves the health of the teenager and it reduces significant risks associated with teenage births. And that is why we really need to discuss adolescent contraception. We've seen around the world that abortion decreases when contraception access increases. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of going from there and the the charge with this first podcast, um, we're going to talk about contraception for the adolescent today. Tell us a bit about the global implications, if you will, of adolescent contraception and why we choose this for our, for our first discussion. Sure. Well, contraception reinforces autonomy, that sense of being, that sense of control for an adolescent, where they can determine if and when to conceive. They can then space a pregnancy. Contraception helps women who may face health risks caused by pregnancy to limit a family size and to minimize the risks for themselves and their other children. 
So it really empowers women. Women who have more than four children are at increased risk of maternal mortality and long-term cardiovascular disease. So again, it's that empowerment, that autonomy, that ability to make decisions. So you spoke a little bit about um, limiting family size and also spacing pregnancies. Um, Dr. Conrad, can you help us understand what that spacing concept is a little bit more? Sure. Access to effective contraception helps women avoid closely spaced and poorly timed pregnancies and births. We know that contraception has a significant impact on social and global dynamics. Having fewer children allows families to invest more in each child, to invest more time. And for children who have fewer siblings, we know that they often obtain higher educational achievements. And that's a way of giving back to the family, giving back to the community, and most importantly, empowering the individual. Contraception is an essential factor in reducing population growth and in promoting a sustainable environment around global health. No, and I'm sure there are ad even additional benefits beyond that. Sure, let's not forget that contraceptive methods serve to regulate menstrual disorders. We can see a decrease in menstrual flow, and we can see a minimal minimizing of pain with menses. So it makes a significant impact on a young woman's life, the quality of life. And then quite honestly, beyond health, the lack of reproductive health choices and poor quality in their delivery will reduce the opportunities for these same young women and girls to continue their education, to delay marriage, and eventually to assume important non-traditional roles in economy and in society. So all in all, contraception in adolescence is very important, and that's why we chose it for our first topic. Absolutely. So I think we may already know the um, answer to this question, but specifically, Dr. Conry, what is FIGO's position on the issue of contraception for adolescents? You know, we have said that FIGO looks at well women health care and health care across the lifespan from adolescence through maturity, and contraception is a key element of that. So when we're talking about adolescent health and contraception, it's that investment. A healthcare counseling session for any adolescent really is incomplete if it does not address sexual health, including safe, consensual, pleasurable sex, contraception, and of course, the prevention of infections. Yet so many young girls do not have access to the education and the information that they need to make decisions about their sexual reproductive health, including information about abortions. Of the estimated millions of abortions that occur every year among adolescents between the ages of 15 and 19, unsafe abortion can use, continues to account for maternal deaths every single year. So we know that early and comprehensive sexual education, access to accurate information about safe sexual practices, effective contraception, and avoidance of infections can help prevent unnecessary deaths and certainly complications. So FIGO is calling on all of our member societies to recommend to all their members, and in fact, to all healthcare practitioners, that healthcare providers working in public sector institutions or in private practices need to commit to discussing sexual reproductive health. We want our members to discuss contraception, infection prevention, and safe sex in their conversations with young people. This means girls and boys 
because by doing so, we can improve young people's physical and mental health. We can save lives. We can help them pursue the educational economic futures of their choice. It's really an investment. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Dr. Connery, thank you again for making that very clear where FIGO stands on adolescent contraception. Um, but we know that this is not just a, a topic where we can explain all of the benefits and hope everybody takes it up. There are certainly challenges in adolescent contraception. Um, can you tell us or just start giving us an introduction to the challenges with adolescent contraception prescription and usage across the globe? You know, you are so right, Dr. Burns. It is the misconception that really undermines all of our efforts. There are knowledge gaps and the misconceptions. And if it's not reinforced by a knowledge, knowledgeable healthcare practitioner, we've lost it. So we want to have information on where to obtain contraceptive methods, how to use them, what are the side effects, and what are the what's the misconception out there? And then, of course, we know that in every country that we're dealing with, all of our member societies, unfortunately, there are legal constraints that governments have placed on our healthcare providers in the exam room. It comes between that healthcare practitioner and the patient, and those legal restrictions harm the health of our patients. These legal restrictions, the unfortunate stigma, the community norms and community beliefs, and just a lack of awareness about information and the availability of safe abortion options are just some of the reasons why young people with an unwanted, unplanned pregnancy may have used a reliable contraception and still face an unsafe abortion. Thank you for bringing uh, those issues into light, Dr. Conry. Um, have you seen other constraints for adolescents who are trying to respond to their needs? Well, certainly at the individual level. We see an adolescent's own inability to access contraceptions because of their knowledge gap, their inability to get transportation, maybe even financial constraints can have an important role in these challenges. These young people may just lack the support or the autonomy to ensure the correct and consistent use of a contraceptive method. They rely on experienced healthcare practitioners to give them information and to provide access. But then if we look at the community level, there are some healthcare workers who are not willing to acknowledge an adolescent's sexual healthcare needs. So that counseling and prescription maybe take a back seat. So we are, dis we are placing those um, adolescents at a disadvantage. And then at a broader level, and we see this all the time, there are restrictive laws and policies regarding provision of contraceptives based on age or even upon a marital status where a woman must ask her husband's permission to be able to use contraception. So we at FIGO will work towards reducing barriers by education, research interpretation and implementation, and advocacy. And we certainly know that strengthening our healthcare systems is a critical element of this foundation. Kind of going from there, Dr. Connery, what strategies exist that might help improve accessibility and acceptability for contraception? Um, again, looking through this global lens. Well, great question. There are three main issues to look at about access and acceptability. First, there's a mistreatment of marginalized groups and that affects their contraception access and choices. So being cognizant, being aware of those marginalized groups and making sure that we include them is critical. Second, 
we see potential unconscious bias that influences counseling and acceptability every single day. So a healthcare practitioner needs to be aware that they may have a bias. And sometimes it just takes some um, courses, some uh, special discussions about that, but really there's an unconscious bias everywhere we go. And then finally, we have to explore patient values. What are their preferences? What are their fears? What's their experience? What do family members tell them? And what are the individual health benefits of a hormonal contraception? We're going to explore all of this and more in this podcast series. So please stay tuned. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this opening episode for this podcast series, Dr. Connery. Um, as you said, we are going to be exploring much more into the safety um, as well as benefits of different types of contraception for adolescents. And for those of you that want to uh, have more references, you can go onto the FIGA website or look into the episode description and we'll post some of that website information here. So once again, thank you again, Dr. Connery. Dr. Connery.